Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm Five, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. And I'm Kevin. So Kevin, after last week's episode, we had some listeners who wrote in to tell us that NFTs or non-fungible tokens, as we were discussing, were a, a speculative bubble. Oh yes, there are definitely some who believe that. And some valid arguments on both sides, I would say. So we thought we might follow up with that uh, with a related topic this week. Oh, well, the topic of speculative bubbles comes up, I know. Are we talking about tulips? We are talking about tulips. Uh, And the question is, the tulip mania, which uh, was a craze in the 1600s in the Netherlands, um, what exactly was it and why was it important? Uh, So it's important because it's the first uh, example we know of really as an of an asset bubble and a good demonstration of how destructive a bubble can be to a country's economy actually. So economists study it and how it worked to learn more about how to detect bubbles. It is generally considered to have been the very first recorded speculative bubble or asset bubble in history. And in many ways, the tulip mania was more of a socioeconomic phenomenon than a significant economic crisis, I would say. Okay, so wind us back. What happened? Okay, so, you know, til- you know tulips, right? The flower. <laughs> They're a pretty yes. nifty-looking flower. Uh, and they were actually new to the Dutch in the 1600s. Now, the Dutch, they were really rich at the time, uh, controlling a lot of the trade between Europe and India and other places which produce the spices. They called it the Dutch Golden Age for a reason, right? Exactly, exactly. So tulips, they are grown from uh, bulbs and can be dug up and saved over the winter and then replanted in the spring. They come in a wide variety of colors. Some are even a lot rarer than others. So these rare hybrid bulbs, you know, they can have stripes or maybe even bursts of two different colors. Wow. You can't be a hundred percent certain what color you're really getting to going to get uh, when you replant them. So in that sense, they're kind of like a, a baseball card or a pack of Pokemon cards. Collectors buy tons trying to get those few rare ones. So there's a little bit of variable reward that gives it, you know, that kind of a lottery psychology. So as tools became more popular, it became something you might use to maybe show off uh, if you were a rich guy. Having a garden full of the rarest kind will be like having a Monet on the wall. And consequently, prices started to rise. That's fascinating. So there was some underlying value in the flower itself, but they really got into trouble with uh, the financial instruments, including futures and options contracts, correct? (laughs) Yes, that's right. I'm not sure if that's what they called them back then, but yes. Uh, Because there was that gap between when you dug them up and when you replanted it, a lot of trading was based on these futures contracts. Essentially, you pay me X amount now, I'll give you this many tulip bulbs next spring. And pretty quickly, people were actually buying and selling these contracts, not based on whether they actually wanted a thousand dollars of tulips themselves, uh, but because they figured with the prices spiking so high, they could buy that tulip contract today and sell it in a couple of weeks or months for a lot more money. And voila, you have the world's first asset bubble. Give us a sense of scale. How bad did it get? Sure. So in Europe, you know, the formal futures markets appeared in the Dutch Republic during the 17th century. Uh, and at the t- peak of 
Tulip Mania in February 1637, some single tulip bulbs sold for more than 10 times the annual income of a skilled artisan. Uh, so let's think of that like a million dollars for one tulip today. It's interesting because the Dutch did, as you mentioned, develop many of the techniques of modern finance and tulip bulbs happen to be one of the very first durable enough goods that they could test out things like futures contracts and short selling and margin trading and all of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, actually even uh, short selling, it was actually even banned by an edict in uh, of 1610, which was reiterated or strengthened in 1621 and 1630 and again in 1636. The, the Dutch, they described uh, this tulip contract trading as a, as a wind handle, uh, literally wind trade, uh, because in the end, no bulbs were actually changing hands, right? Like the entire business was accomplished on the margins of Dutch economic life, not in the exchange itself. Now, there's really two angles in this whole episode, the financial ang- angle, which we've been describing, but also the social angle, uh, which people have coined the madness of a crowd, um, even with a famous book written about it. Oh, yeah, that's really interesting. So there's always, you know, this social dynamic underlying every bubble. And uh, the modern discussion of Tulip Mania began with the book Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds, published in 1841 by the Scottish journalist Charles Mackay. Uh, He proposed that crowds of people often behave irrationally and Tulip Mania was, along with the South Sea bubble and the Mississippi Company scheme, one of his primary examples. I think your puppy agrees with that. <laughs> yes, yes, he's excited too. So that text was popular among generations of economists and stock market participants, uh, but not everybody agrees with him. That's right, that's right. Uh, economists, especially since the 1980s, have debunked a number of his account, but his description of Tulip mania as a speculative bubble seems to still remain prominent, even if slightly flawed. I see. The principle, I guess, of all of this uh, still stands. There will continue to be ways we can apply tulip mania lessons to markets and asset prices today and in every economic cycle. Totally, totally. We should always remember those lessons of the past, yes. Uh, you know, the essence of a bubble, an asset bubble, is when people are. They're buying stuff for high prices, not because it's they think it's actually worth that much, but because they think some other sucker in the future will be sure to come along uh, who might be who might be willing to buy, pay more than them. Uh, and any break in that kind of you know line of suckers and prices quickly come crashing back down to earth, wiping out all the people who bought in as the bubble was inflating. That's right. Did you learn something new today? If you did, send us an email. We are at explainlikeim5, the podcast, at gmail.com. We always love hearing from you. And as always, thank you to the wonderful community at r slash explainlikeim5. We will see you all next week.